And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is back in session. Here for another guest speaker episode at Nowhere Studios. This is our second one. Obviously, if you guys missed the first one with Lucas, make sure you go check that out. And I'm here with another special. Lucas, he's the man. And this man knows Lucas very well. I'm sure Lucas will come back up in conversation at some point. Uh, but I want to obviously get to know this man right here next to me. This is the one and only Uche Malik, everybody. And welcome, Uche, to the show. Man, it's Thank so you, great man. to have you. Uh, how are you? How's things? Uh, things are going great. I feel good. I feel excited. Yeah. I feel very excited. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, uh, you know, obviously we brought, we just brought up Lucas and that's where I first, uh, came on to you because, uh, you were a part of his show at the Rockwell with Timmy and mm -hmm. Lazy and, uh, and Fabi and PS Jovi. And you were uh, somebody that I wasn't uh, too familiar with until that show. And, um, so it was really great to, to see you perform and see your energy. I would definitely want to talk a lot about you as a performer, Thank you. Thank you. uh, cause you are definitely electric on the stage, man, for sure. Thank you. But so if, where I want to start, though, is we're going to start with uh, the first segment of our show, which is the objective. So we get to know a little bit about you and sort of where you're from and some background and how you got into music. And uh, yeah, so that's really where I want to start. So you have a very interesting background, uh, yeah. very worldly background, yeah. I would say. Um, so is it so? Uh, so um, talk to me a little bit about did, did you grow up in Nigeria or is your family just from Nigeria? Um, I know you, you spent a little time also in the UK yeah. um, and before you settled in Boston. So uh, tell me a little bit about kind of your journey. How did you get to Massachusetts? Um, and yeah, I just want to hear so about I, that. So it was it was kind of like always there. So I personally was born in the US. I was born in Boston, but then we went back to Nigeria. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> so then obviously I spent some time there, went to school, all that. Then transitioned to the UK for like it wasn't that long, but okay. long enough for me to absorb the environment. And then we came back here. And now currently it's just me going back and forth between Boston and Nigeria. Oh wow! So you're so you're back in Nigeria often, or yeah? So I wasn't back. I say in the last year or so, mainly just because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for it sure. Was, it was tough, but um, I think like I'm going back this year, next year. Obviously, it's it's a guarantee. So now I'm back to my rotation. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So for you, like, you know, traveling and, and, you know, being back and forth between here and Nigeria and a little spending a little time in the UK, like, how do you think that sort of influenced you musically? Um, I think it influenced me extremely because I was introduced to so many different sounds. Like, Obviously, in Nigeria, we have our traditional music and then we have our Afrobeats, mm -hmm. our high life. But then Getting that little flavor of the UK, I learned about drill, grime, garage. Yeah, that's um, huge over bass. the UK I was right like, now. Whoa, this is a whole different, different spectrum. And then obviously in the US, we know about our classic like rap, hip hop, pop, um, R and B, country music, rock. So it was just it was good to get a taste of everything and see how everybody does things differently, but at the same time to see how everybody does things similarly. For sure, for mm -hmm. sure. And you primarily, I would say you have a really interesting mix of Afrobeat, 
pop, but also yeah. a little bit of hip hop. And so you kind yeah. of bridge all those things together. Exactly. Um, and I, yeah, I, I love just the, again, the energy that you had on stage and like going back. And then I obviously backlogged and mm. listened to all your discography after that. And I uh, was super impressed with, with the sound that you're creating. I think, Thank you, you know, of course, if anyone listening, uh, don't, don't leave yet after the, after the, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously after the, after the show, make sure you go check out some of Uche's music. I'm sure we'll, we'll play a song or two throughout this, this, um, this show. I have one in particular. I definitely want to talk to this man about, <laughs> but, uh, for sure, man, I, I think Afrobeat is one of those, uh, one of those genres that's really starting to gain some traction. Yeah. Um, for you, what is like, do you, how do you sort of, um, want to represent yourself in the Afrobeat sort of scene? Cause I know you, I, I feel like, and I, I wrote about this when I did your, uh, you, um, the write up for you guys mm -hmm. that I felt like you were a name that I see, there's an, especially in Massachusetts, I don't think there's a lot of Afrobeat artists that I'm aware of, or maybe mm -hmm. I'm just not aware of like the actual scene we have here, but you were somebody that I feel like is not only doing it, but doing it in a sort of innovative and very tasteful way. So I'm just mm -hmm. curious for you, like, you know, is that something that you pride yourself on in, you know, being uh, really a face of Afrobeat out, not only out here, but also maybe nationally and even in getting into like the, the bigger world scene as well. Yeah. Um, I think I'm doing a great job. I think you are too. I think, <laughs> I don't even know how to like truly explain it because it just happened. I think mm -hmm. I like to call myself the bridge because I'm the person that I'm still very African yet. Right. I'm so, you know, I don't want to say the word American, but very, you know, American. Well, you, yeah. Yeah. You grew up yeah. here. Right. So, but you still have those roots. You <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I think I try to just basically introduce everybody like, Hey, I'm the best of both worlds. Right. Like, I feel like you can right. be comfortable with me. And with that comfortability, I can introduce new things to you. Mm -hmm. um, I, but, like, I know growing up, it was like, okay, Uche's too Bush or Uche's too American. But over the times, I found a way to really just say, like, nah, we can all be cool. Mm -hmm. Like, with friends that aren't African, I'm able to, you know, give them small details about Nigeria and small details in a way that they can, you know, end up learning more about the culture. For sure, for sure. And I thought that was such a good part of your your performance that I was there for and witnessing because you got on stage and you started pretty much you, as as a teacher, I loved it because you you got on and you were teaching the crowd about your single Riza and you were talking about how like um, like sort of the, the meaning behind it and mm -hmm. sort of giving us like some perspective on the actual not only culture, but like, you know, obviously the, yeah, just, I guess culture is the best yeah. word I can describe it. So um, for the song, and maybe we'll play it in this, if you're, if you don't mind, play a little clip uh, of it can, for the people. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> before we play it though, tell me, talk to me a little bit about, or talk, tell our audience about like, you know, what that means and like, and what is, is that something also in the follow-up question? Is that also something for you uh, when you perform? Is that something you feel like not an obligation, but is this something you want to do to like share with the mm -hmm. crowd? Not only just, Hey, like this is, you know, my music and who I am as an artist, but this is like to mm -hmm. also share some of that Nigerian culture with yeah. people that might not be as familiar. Yeah. So, um, for Riza in Nigeria, it, it can mean two different things. So either a could mean literally weed. I don't smoke. So I never, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really use that, um, terminology, but again, Riza could be just like that vibe that, you're that guy, you're that lady who who can't be stopped. It's just confidence. It's an aura that carries throughout. So I think at the show, I used an uh, example like, okay, cool, let's say we're at a club and you see somebody fine. 
and you start to doubt yourself saying i can't go over there and talk to her your friend would basically tell like oh you know who you are like look at you you could do that so yeah. then he basically just passed you the reason he reminded that you know you're you're that person and it gives you back that confidence it's like mm-hmm. you know what cool you're right so that's that's how i used reason yeah um, yeah but i i don't want to say i feel obligated to but i'm always open to share because at mm-hmm. the end of the day i love i love being I don't want to use the word personal, but I love, you know, kind of sharing a connection with my audience. Definitely. I feel like I'm making music mainly because I want people to enjoy themselves and also use my music to relate. If Mm. you feel sad, I have a song for you to listen to when you're sad. If you feel happy, I have a song for that. If you feel mad, I have a song for that, where I feel like we can build this connection where it's like, if I can explain to you what the song means, you can relate to it a lot better and then we can, you know, be comfortable. And I love the just the idea, like just the power of music in that way, right? Like mm-hmm. where you, you can use it as a tool to relate to each other, even mm-hmm. if our backgrounds aren't similar yeah. or at all, you know what I mean? And I yeah. think that there's those those human feelings that we all still feel like you're talking about at the mm-hmm. end of the day, like no matter where you're from or, you know, you know where, where you come from, it's mm-hmm. like we all feel a lot of those feelings. I mean, obviously on different levels, but there is a lot of relatability that yeah. can come from music in that way. Um, no, I just thought it, I thought your approach was so awesome too. You just had this great like aura about you and charisma. Um, and before the song started, I remember you know I remember you were just going like, "All right, everybody, like this is how the chorus goes. I need everybody to say it with me when it comes. Like, pass me the reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm blowing out your speakers. I mean, I am not doing it justice. I, we might as well give it a, give it a little spin here. Uh, this is Uche Malik's uh, latest song that he has just sir, dropped called Reza. We'll play a little clip of it and we will be right back. Pass me the reason. Pass me the, pass me the reason. Kelly, don't give me your reason. Like I'm not knocking on your speakers. She call me Afro singer, Ninja Jigga. She don't go low when the boy no fiesta. She did my phone when the boy no fiesta. You don't respond, but today you want to ginger me. Be like, say you want to yahoo me. Money don't they come, bottle don't they pour. Now you want to give me love, one TT. I'm expensive, put a price tag on me. It's impressive that you think you could afford me. Baby, you adore me, put me in deal. But if you like, girl, give me the all-star. Come to Casamigo, walk on with your girl, see. Me no one wireless, so go, baby, come play. Enter the room, make we do what they think, see. I don't need reason. Pass me the reason. Pass me the, pass me the reason. Kelly, don't give me your reason. Like I'm not knocking on your speakers. And that was a clip of Riza from Uche Malik. If that song doesn't land on your spring summer playlist, uh, you might want to just get out of here now because that's an absolute jam. I love that song, man. It's Thank uh, you. I've been especially with the warmer weather coming, man. That's a track that will be I'm sure heavy in rotation for not only myself yeah. but a lot of people. So. Um, yeah, so I want to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, the, the music you've been doing recently mm-hmm. on top of Riza and some of the uh, music you had uh, come out last year and before that. But um, I want to quickly uh, d- um, circle back a little bit to your background because I know you 
um, when you were a kid, you were big into uh, the choir, correct? Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> and was that was that like uh, your first introduction to music? Was that something that was really uh, influential for you? Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, that experience you had um, as being being young and like being joining a, or being a part of the choir. I think being a part of the choir, it was like my first introduction of singing. Okay. I was entirely my grandmother's idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I think everybody in my family was like always somewhat involved in music. I okay. think my biggest influence is my father. Yeah. Every single day, this guy is listening to any kind of music. Like all the music I know, all the oldies, it's because of him. Okay. Whether it be from like um, house music, Afrobeat, high life. We have traditional music called bongo and then ogene. All because of him. <laughs> All because of him. And I and like I've been listening to it so as long as I can remember. But then obviously I think I don't remember what age, probably like five or six, I got into church choir. Then ultimately turned into a school chorus. But it was a choir that really like, okay. All it was is was um us singing gospel songs in our native tongue. Okay. It wasn't I wouldn't say it was crazy because I'm young and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. True, true. <laughs> I just thought, okay, I gotta say it this way. So I remember they used to throw words at us like falsetto, uh, monotone, things of that nature. Words like, you're probably using now that yeah. you, at the time probably didn't. At the time, know, I was yeah. like, I'm a what? <laughs> I'm a soprano. What? What's the? I I didn't know what was going on, um, but it always gave me the. It, it helped me develop my voice for sure. Because I know, like, when I came to the U.S. and like try to join for chorus. It was, it was this always funny memory that I remember. It's like, I remember I was like, yo, you guys know I could sing, right? I remember just telling somebody, and he was like, nah, Uchi, you can't sing, bro. What are you talking about? I'm a better singer than you. I was like, okay. And then we had to go try out for chorus, and they made us sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I, when I tell you, I sung it like, like I don't know, like Whitney Houston. <laughs> Put a little flavor on that boring-ass <laughs> yeah, song. exactly. <laughs> and everybody was just shocked. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know what? I really could sing. <laughs> so since then, I've always had that in me. I think yeah. I never really took it seriously okay. until recently, but it was one of those like innate abilities that I had. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What was like, was there a huge, I, I can imagine that there was, but was there a massive difference between like what choir like was like in a place like maybe like Nigeria versus like how it is in the United States? Like, is there like a huge difference there like culturally? Because I feel like with, for me, like, chorus was always something that was never enjoyable i did yeah. not like like when we, we had to do it up until i think sixth grade and mm-hmm. like it was yeah it was just making us sing like songs like that it was yeah. not there was nothing that i like could relate to or gravitate towards exactly. or anything like that it, it was just i i rejected it completely mm-hmm. you know it was just very stuffy i think mm-hmm. is like the best word i can use yeah, so is yeah. there is there was there a huge difference there or um or any or maybe any similarities or um i don't think there was I think the biggest difference was the theatrics. Okay. Like, there were certain people in choir that was really... that. Sometimes they think they can sing, but they can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, they would really try to, like, you know, be dramatic with it. Yeah. Like, when I tell you they're trying to hit these whistle notes, when they can't do that, it was just like, mm. But I feel like that's fair. It could, it could apply to everybody, but then when obviously when I went to church here and like hear or heard choir music here it was like okay this is so much smoother like mm. you can kind of tell it's more 
unison mm. versus like in Nigeria. Not to say that Nigeria doesn't have it, but it was just like, you know, from what I've experienced, it was like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I know there's like a little joke in the community where it's like, okay, when you go to a Nigerian church, there's always that one choir member that really thinks they can sing, but they cannot. <laughs> and it's always a choir leader. <laughs> That's funny. So it's like, that was one of the big things that I, I really noticed. Huh. Really. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And uh, you mentioned, too, one of my last questions in just uh, this, this segment of, of the objective was uh, obviously your, your dad's influence on mm-hmm. you with his music. And I know that when you, uh, when you first, or when, when you started were coming up in the music scene in Boston, you were more of an A&R. You weren't really thinking about being an artist. Yeah. Uh, and I read somewhere that your father actually was the one that pushed you to really, like, you know, be a, yeah. be a legitimate <laughs> artist. Yeah. So at first, I guess it's a two-part question. I guess the first would be, you know, I want to hear a little bit about, uh, you know, your experience as an A&R and, like, mm-hmm. where that trend, like, what what was that spark? Like, or was, was it something your dad said that it was just like, all right, mm-hmm. you know, it's time for me to, like, just try yeah. this music thing? I think for me, I was always in music. So when I say that, like, I literally was either obviously the choir or I was writing music. Mm-hmm. I was curating playlists. I was DJing. Then I went to A&R. Um, so that, I think that journey kind of led me into solidifying to be an artist. Okay. Like how it really, really started, obviously besides the choir, it started with playlist curation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, felt, I felt like I had a knack of sound. Um, I could hear music and I could definitely tell you what song could come after it or what song would sound better, or what group of songs would be perfect for this said mood. So somebody told me to start making playlists, so I did. And this is when I was in um, high school. Okay. And I remember I made a playlist, and I just shared it around, and everybody's like, yo, Uche, this is crazy. Like, I didn't know you could do that. I was like, I mean, this is a playlist. <laughs> and it got, to, it got to the point where people were asking, like, hey, Uche, do you have a playlist for, like, studying? Can you make me a playlist for my girlfriend? Can you do this? Can you do that? I was like, okay, cool, like, I didn't know the terminology was obviously curation, but at the time yeah. it was like, okay, if you need a playlist, hit up Uche. And then um, what happened from there was like, okay, cool. So I know what songs can go together. And I know what songs can sound good after this song. That's what led me into DJing. Okay. So one of my um, good friends, his name was Chisum, basically my brother. And he was DJing because his dad was a DJ. And his dad is my dad's great friend, best friend, if anything. So it was one of those things like, ah, you know, he's my cousin. Like, it, it just it just works that way. Mm-hmm. But I remember he was DJing and it was at a cookout. And I came up to him and I just asked a question. I was just like, so how do you do this? He's just like, well, that's, I could show you. And I was like, yeah, like, I, I'm interested because I know what song to to do. Like, I know exactly what song you could play. I remember he was playing one song. I was like, yo, play this song. He played it. Everybody went crazy. I said, "All right, bet. play that next song. Play this song." He's like, "Yo, you really, you could, you could really DJ." I was like, "Really? I just don't know how to, you know, like, turn I mean? the turn exactly. the tables. No pun turn intended." <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously, he taught me how to do that a little bit. And I remember we had like um, told ourselves, "Let's just be a duo." So we became a DJ duo. Cool. We had another friend of ours. His name is Marvelous, and he would be like the MC. And we had like our first gig. And that was a, that gig was the first time I've ever DJed for a party, and it went very well. It went extremely well. And that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe I have a knack for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So from there, it just went for me learning how to DJ, 
and then in- instead of me being more so like a party DJ, like being at the party, I said, you know what, let me make some mixes. So I started making um, SoundCloud mixes. I have like, I don't know how many, like maybe five-ish. Oh, wow. But they started off as like, the first one I did was like a Afrobeat hits of like, I don't know remember what year was it, 2014, 2013, something like that. And that hit up to like 300K streams on SoundCloud. And that was the first time I've ever seen a comment <laughs> in anything. And I was like, you know what? If this was cre- like, if this is, like, did this number, I could do this again. Mind you, at the time, I didn't know anything about promotion and marketing. So it was just the fact that, like, I hit that number mm-hmm. just off of raw, like, engagement was crazy to me. So I started doing this thing where, obviously, if you're from Boston, you get to a taste of every culture, not just African culture, but then we have Caribbean culture. Mm-hmm. So I said, what if I made a mix that was Afrobeat versus dancehall because we all love each sound and I felt like personally not a lot of people knew about Afrobeats no no I felt like even though it's like one of those things at that time it's like if you're from Nigeria you know about Afrobeats but I meant like you had to have gone to Nigeria if you knew about Afrobeats and you're from America it's because like your parents started playing it because they heard it when they went back home it wasn't that known not to say you couldn't hear it here every day, but it's like nine times out of ten, if you went to the club, you would probably hear one or two Afrobeat songs, and they wouldn't even call it Afrobeat; they would call it reggae. Okay. So I was like, "All right, cool. Let me set the score. Let me set it straight. This is what Afrobeat is, and then we'll do versus dancehall." So I did three volumes, and all of it, each volume went crazy. This is and this is when Twitter just started. Uh, to be popping. Yeah. So I, obviously I promoted it on Twitter and everybody just like, yo, which is like, this is fire. This is fire. You got to do this again. Yo, I've been using your mix for a party. And I was like, you know what? Again, I definitely had a knack for this. But um, it came to a point where it was just like, you know what? This is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just, it didn't feel like this is what I wanted to do. It felt like, you know what? I like doing music. I like, you know, curating. I like, you know, spinning and all that. But it just wasn't, what I was really trying to do. Sure. So then, obviously, being the fact that, okay, I knew what people wanted to hear. Um, I don't even know how I landed. I think some one of my friends, um, his name is Victor. Well, he goes by Ugo Boy. This is at the time he was rapping. He sent me a rap song. And I heard it. And I was like, yo, this is, this is fire. But I feel like if you change this lyric here, went about it with this flow, I think it would be better. And he's like, Oh, you do A and R work? <laughs> I was like, "What's the A and R?" You're like, "I guess I do now." <laughs> exactly. So, like, um, from there, like, every time he had questions with the music or needed help with something like that, he'd come to me and he's like, "Yo, you should really look into A and R work." I was like, "I still don't know what A and R is," <laughs> and he's like, "Yo, Google it." So that's obviously what I did. I googled it. I learned it. I was like, "Okay, cool. This sounds like something that I would do." I may not per se be an artist at the time, but at the end of the day, I knew what people wanted to hear. I knew what, um, I knew how to go about things. It's just obviously I'm just not the artist, so I I can't put those words together. But if you need a flow melody, I got you. And then I've always had a knack for finding artists or new songs that nobody has heard of. Like one of my good good friends, um, his name is Quazim. He tells me every day, because I used to just, every time I find new music, I send it to him. But one day he was like, yo, Uche, the one annoying thing about you 
I can never send you music that you've never heard of. Because <laughs> <laughs> awesome. he literally will send me a song. Oh, I know about that song. Oh, I've heard that I've song. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, literally, it was, it was difficult for people to put me onto music because I already knew about it. That's crazy. <laughs> and the thing about me, at least in music, I used to love doing research. I still do. Mm-hmm. So if I fell in love with this song, I'd research who this artist is, figure out where he signed from, how'd he digital the song, how'd he promote the song, who's his manager, who's that manager's manager, where's his, like, who's his counterparts, who's his friends. So I ended up being this, you know, A&R. Like, I found out all the information about the artist, found out who to connect with, who found out who to network with, to put, obviously, the artists that I was working with to be in a better position. Right. Which also right. started to move into, like, management work. But I was, I'm not a manager. But, you know, I played that role if needed. And then now we finally get to the point where it's like, okay, I became an artist. At this point now, I think it was 2018 mm-hmm. and I'm in Nigeria. Already I have the A&R uh, work under my belt. I have the curation under my belt. I have the DJ under my belt. It was like me collecting all the Infinity Stones. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just remember... We were at my uncle's house, and my dad's like, yeah, yeah, come, 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 come. Come, come, come. Uche. See, I'm even telling your uncle, like, your uncle said, you should you should, you should, you should, go out and do music. I said, I mean, I kind of already do. I'm a, I yeah. help people with music. He said, no, 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 no. Like, you don't think I don't hear you in your room. Every day, you're listening to beats. Yeah, 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 freestyling. You're doing this, you're doing that. You're singing. You don't know. You're a fine boy. You have a good voice. You should go and, you know, actually just go and just make a song. We're here. We can just, you know, we can promote it for you. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really think about it. Like, it was one of those things, like, yeah, obviously, I do freestyle in my room. I do try to write music. I wrote poetry. I wrote spoken word and yeah. things of that nature. So it was just, so it wasn't like the thought of being an artist wasn't in my head. It just, I just felt like I couldn't be one. I don't know why. Huh. But my dad was really just, like, adamant. It's like, yo, come on. Then my uncle said, yeah, you know, I know a couple people we can record a video, we can post it there, you know, can't get you on the radio. My auntie now comes in, is like, eh, yeah, you should listen to your uncle. Your dad even knows what he's talking. My mom is not, like, it's, now it became my, my, my parents and my auntie and uncle versus me. And I'm just like, yo, <laughs> okay. You're like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, and then it was one of those things, like, you know what? If they're so, like, there's one thing about my parents. If they believe something is true, they're going to be hard-headed about it. So I'm like, if my parents are really, really, like, to the point where they're now telling everybody, oh, I be, I'm in my room singing to myself, let me let me make a song. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. Um, wow. What was, the, what was the first song you made? Do you remember? <sighs> first Afro song. So I had I had a couple Afro songs before I re- released my first single, but they weren't they're never gonna see the light of day. No, <laughs> but, but I think I just I heard a bunch of beats and I was like, okay, cool. Because at this time I still didn't know how to structure a song. Okay, I already knew about okay, a hook and a verse. That's all I really knew. I didn't know about you know the difference between a hook and a chorus or a bridge or outro mm-hmm. or things of that nature. So it was just like, okay, cool. Let me write a verse, and I said I took it as a hip hop rap approach where we already know there's a hook, but that the main thing, the main core is a 16-bar verse. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, cool. Let me give 16 bars in this random beat. wasn't that. It just didn't flow. It sounded like me trying to just rap, and then I just threw a beat on. I went from just writing first and then trying to find a beat that made sense. Okay. 
and I, and to me that never really that's not me i feel like i can't do that I, I mean i can but i can't back then i definitely couldn't like i feel like okay if i'm gonna make this music it has to be genuine i'm very big on genuine and absolutely and when I make my music, it just, you got to feel it. Like, I felt it because I felt the way I did. That's why the song came out so, like, fire. So, That's um, awesome. one day, um, again, Ugo Boy, he sent me a beat. And he was like, yo, you should try something. I was like, all right, cool. I tried, and it just wasn't working. Just like, nah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. But it was, since it was on YouTube, YouTube comes with, like, all these recommended beats. Right. So, I saw one beat that was in the recommendation, so I clicked it, and I was like, Oh, yeah, this is this is fire. This is fire, cool. So I sent it to him. He came back and sent me a hook. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I like this. This is this is good. It feels good. And then I put on what's the what's the like uh, I'd say like a good twelve, maybe sixteen bar verse. And it was good. At least to me. <laughs> And the reason why I say that is because I sent that to a group of my friends. So I sent it to the main, well, the main person that really like kind of changed the whole way I look at music was my boy Quazim again, um, one of my brothers, and he always keeps it hundred with me. Yeah, you need he those. You need those kind of people. Yeah, he listened to it. He was like, "Yo, I'm not even gonna lie, that is trash." <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was just like. I got to see where you're coming from because me right. personally is like, if you're going to tell me my stuff is trash, don't get me wrong. Like I take criticism very well. I just want you to explain why it's trash. Why? Exactly. Because not only will it um, teach me, okay, yeah, this is definitely trash, but it'll also tell me like, okay, how do I can get better? Exactly. So with that right. being said, yeah. I was like, how is it trash? He's like, just doesn't sound good, bro. Like, eh. like At the time he didn't really know how to explain it because now okay. he's, he's actually my main A&R. Oh, wow. But at the time, he just didn't know how to explain it. He was just like, ah, I don't I don't know how to tell you, bro. It's just trash. Like, if I were you, like, if you was to sell these lyrics to somebody, like, let's say this artist, it'd be fire. But it's just not. It's just not working. Mm -hmm. And I sat in my dorm because I was in school at the time. I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know how to, like, take it. But then something told me, he's like, nah, you know what, nah, because I feel it. A lot, like I said, with me, it's like if I genuinely feel like this song is fire, I know it's gonna be fire, and I haven't been wrong. So, I said, "Cool." I went to the studio, and so obviously my friend uh, Ugo Boy he put down his hook, and then everybody in the studio was like looking at me because this this is the first time I've ever been in the studio, and everybody's interested to see like what does Uche have right to offer, and I'm just standing there like, okay, <laughs> this is the microphone headphones okay i got my lyrics i can hear myself okay cool <sighs> i was listening and then i did the entire verse like first take took off the headphones and i was like is that good and when i tell you everybody was shocked <laughs> that's <laughs> they're awesome. like what it's <laughs> <laughs> like you sure this is your first time in the studio i was like yeah <laughs> as an artist yeah <laughs> i i I didn't think I did that well, but everybody was just extremely shocked. Like, huh. what the hell? And I was like... It's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. then we had our other friend, um, Emmy, put down his verse. And then I just was so much in the mood. I was like, yo, I have something else. I have something else. So I just put down a, like a little outro. And again, even that outro was like, yo, bro, what is going on? Like, 
this is crazy. <laughs> He's in his bag right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was a creation uh, of my first single. Wow. Well, it was a, it was a it was a combined single, but it was one of the first songs I've ever made. And I think since then everything's just been elevated. Yeah. Oh, to- well, that's uh, well. First off, that's just amazing story. Just like yeah. from the progression of, of all that, and it's really I think for you there were three like I think obviously massive moments there for you mm-hmm. uh, that happened uh, that you know really and it's it's funny how I mean a handful of moments can yeah. sort of push you to that next yeah. stage of yeah. of that progression of, of of you know obviously where you are now. Um, and it's really funny. Uh, we have a lot in common, more mm-hmm. con- in common than you think. The only thing we don't have in common yeah. is I am not musically inclined. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> sing. I sure if I went in the studio right now, uh, either John or Melks or you know Andre, someone yeah. would throw me out. I would not. I would not be. Uh, <laughs> that is not my, not yeah. my thing. I can't sing. But uh, I was the same as you when I was in high school and college, mm-hmm. where I would like go home on a Friday night and instead of like hanging out with people yeah. I'd just be like downloading music listening to music and just like being wicked nerdy with this shit yeah, and like yeah. just and doing that research right and mm-hmm. like you know trying to find songs that no one knew mm-hmm. and I prided myself on that all the time yeah. and it came, became a point where people would be same thing reach out to me they'd be like hey like what are you listening to right now yeah. and it became one of those things where I was like alright like you know John I know John likes this so I'm gonna yeah. send this type of stuff to John and then like you know Jack likes this and you know Emily likes it, you know, whoever it was right mm-hmm. like I, I started started to like understand people's like tastes yeah. and so like I might send something to Uche that I wouldn't send to whoever you know exactly. else you know what I mean yeah. so it became yeah. that like and and I just was one of those things where I would just do that like people would and it's funny like I still have a couple of friends now like my friend Gianna she'll text me like every blue moon and she's like hey like can you send me new music and i'm so like yeah. apt to be like jana i have like a play like i'm a playlist curator now just go like my playlist but yeah. <laughs> but i yeah. still do that for her because i know like i know her taste so like yeah. i can i'll still send her music but exactly. and then i had like one of the, again like i talked about this with lucas i think a little bit too i had one of those like big ipods with like ten thousand songs on mm-hmm. it so like when we had like parties when i was at uh in college or uh when we are out of college when we we're living in medford with a few of my friends like it would be just kind of this unspoken thing, like, all right, like, Mike's going to have, like, Mike's going to not DJ it, but, like, he's going to curate the playlist for the party or curate yeah. the playlist for whatever. Like, that just ended up being, like, what I what I did. And then mm-hmm. it's just funny how it has transitioned into what I do now. And it's yeah. just, it's really cool that, like, those moments and those things, it's just, like, it's, I don't know, I hate to be, like, you know, spiritual and serendipitous with this whole thing, but it's, like, it's the universe constantly telling you, like, hey, like, this no, is, this is like do yeah. like do this like you have a ear or a talent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And another thing I thought was really interesting about your story too is, you know, here I don't think this is all, all artists, so I'm not. Don't get me twisted, but I think a lot of artists, you know, or not a lot. I, I don't know what the number would be, but I feel like when people start, it's one of those things they try to tell their parents like, oh yeah, I want to be like a rapper, I want to be a singer. Yeah. It's one of those things where they're kind of like, eh, okay, great, but like. Yeah. go to school or like yeah. go get a job you know what i mean yeah. they're like all right that's that's amazing mm-hmm. like go so but for you it seemed like it was so opposite where like not even anything you were thinking about yeah. like maybe in the back of the back of your mind it was there yeah. but like for your family to be like nah like you got to do this uche yeah. like pushing you to do it and then being where you are now i think that's just obviously a huge testament to them but also mm-hmm. like for your talent that you had it yeah. 
and you just needed somebody to give you just that little bit of confidence or a little bit of that Risa, you know, just to give you just 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 a little bit. Yeah. Uh, did I use that correctly or no? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, sweet. <laughs> nah, it, it's it's always shocking to me because it's like I never realized it until I think about it. Like, damn, my parents were actually like really supportive. Of course, yeah. Because, and it's Sounds strange, like, like it. in the Nigerian community, like sometimes when we come up with other lines of work besides obviously medicine or yeah. law, it's like, what are you doing? And don't get me wrong, my parents were definitely big on, like, okay, Uche, like, no, you still have to go to school. Like, right, right, right. You have to get your degree. You have to go and get your master's degree. <laughs> but in the meantime, as a side hustle, you know, you can go and do music. I was like, you know, yeah. okay. It's just shocking. And I remember the day, like, I graduated, my dad was like, so are you going to do music full-time now, or are you going to go to work full-time? I was like... Is that a joke? I I don't I didn't really want to like answer it. How am I supposed like, to answer that? Yeah, yeah, because exactly. I'm like, because if I say if I go full time music, will you actually let me go full time music? And then it's like, I feel like now, I think they were dead ass. Like I think they could really, I could go full time music if I really wanted to. And then I was like, all right, fuck it, we're gonna do it. Yeah. Fuck it. Like yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I am. You got <laughs> yeah. You got to take that leap, right? Like it's one of those things where you don't want to. I, I, this is the way I see it, and I tell my students this all the time. It's like I would rather – or I tell them, you know, you would rather try something and mm. fall flat on your face and fail than, like, not, like, you know, be trepid – you know, have some trepidation about it and mm. push it off and then never do it and then look back when, you know, you're 40 and be like, fuck, like, I should have yeah. tried that. Yeah. Like, you don't want to have that regret. You want to at least try to, like, make sure – you know what? I gave that a shot. If it doesn't work, great. But, you know, I mean, this is we're at that point in our lives where like and especially in this day and age, like, you know, there's a lot of obviously what you would maybe consider traditional jobs out there. You can always get a traditional job. Mm -hmm. And even somebody that has a traditional job, like, again, someone like me who is a teacher, like I'm but I'm still pushing, you know, this sort of passion for podcasting and being, uh, you know, embedded in the Massachusetts music scene, like something I'm really passionate about now and want to do. And like. You know, if it ever became a thing where, you know, um, I, you know, I could do this full time, that'd be amazing. But like, I'm not even in that headspace right now. I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm enjoying it. Mm -hmm. It's going well. We're just going to see where it takes me. And I I feel like with that, I'll I'll always be able to look back and say, like, I gave this 100%. Like, I never, uh, you know, I I don't have any regrets with how I'm moving with this Mm -hmm. and trying it. And so I just feel like that's such a huge thing. Um, you know, and I think too, like a lot of our parents, especially like, you know, my parents didn't go to college. Like they, um, you know, they, they really, my, my mother was adopted and, mm-hmm. um, you know, had a, had a tough upbringing and my, my father was, uh, you know, first generation, like my, my grandparents came over here from Italy. So like, it was one of those things where it was just like, they, you know, they didn't have opportunities that I had. So I think a lot, sometimes our parents are like, I didn't have these opportunities. Like so, you need, yeah. you need to go do this. You need to go to school. Yeah. And like, we're again, we're in this day and age where I feel like there's so much variety of what, like what, of, you, can do. what you can do. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really cool in that perspective, in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like definitely like at the end of the day, music is my passion for sure. But I still love, you know, the technical stuff. So mm-hmm. I went to school for business. I love business. I'm actually trying to go get my master's in tech. Oh, wow. And I'm working on, like, you know, obviously certifications for that. Yeah. But I, because I actually love, like, tech. I love technology. So it's not like, um, 
because I'm I love tech and I'm gonna I'm starting to move towards going back into school. I'm gonna give up music. Like nah, music is my passion. So regardless yeah. of what I do, it's always gonna be there. Mm-hmm. If anything, I feel like everything I do in terms of like let's say school or my day to day life is just only gonna fuel the music. Exactly. And that's what I try to at least tell a lot of my friends or maybe other artists is when they say like, oh, why do you still work? <laughs> Shouldn't you just quit your job and you know? just just rely on your music and it's like i can i definitely can but it's like i try to i try to like me i'm very nerdy when it comes to music i try to figure out everything i can do to make it better again i'm just collecting the infinity stones yeah, i like the fact that i was a dj i was a curator i was an a r because yeah. that makes my music creation so much easier and so you, much and easier. you know like you can you don't have to outsource a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I know you are. You said you have an A&R, but, like, you at least have that knowledge where yeah. you can look at, you know, a song. And something else you said I thought was interesting, too, about, like, structuring music. But I, I think nowadays, especially, like, the the classic song structure, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's out the door that nobody yeah. does it anymore, but, I mean, there is so much variety. I mean, some songs now you, you hear, like, minute and a half, mm-hmm. two minutes, you know, some songs only have, like, you know, one hook and then, or don't have a bridge. Like there's so many different ways you can structure yeah. a song. Like there's, it's, it's become very, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the word, what the word is, but there's just, I guess maybe similar to uh, like jobs. There's just so much variety now in music and how you can approach it. So it's just for you, like, you know, what works, what, yeah. what type of sounds work, what type of structure works. I think that that's yeah. something that every artist, I think, I would imagine goes through at some point in time yeah, and, and reinvents that over time as yeah. well. Like when it comes to structuring, I feel like having that in art under that belt was so, it helped me structure my music so much easier because yeah. again, it was a classic hook, 16 bar verse hook, 16 bar verse hook again. And sometimes that gets repetitive and annoying. Mm. I started to think to myself, I was like, yo, why do I like this specific song so much? And then I realized, mm. oh, because it's not even like that. He came in with a 12-bar verse, gave me a hook, bridge, probably like a small verse and outro. And that's that is very unconventional, but it, it worked and it mm. hit. I'm like, okay, cool. Why did I like this song? And I just started to, again, research, like, what's the differences between the two? Why would I do a 12-bar versus a 16? Why would I do no mm. hook versus a hook? Why would I do this and that? And it was like, okay, cool. It makes sense now. Yeah. And you've naturally done that for even before you were doing. Like I, I feel like you were saying, it's just stuff you were doing already. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Wow, what a great story, man. I'm 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 happy for you. Of course, I'm just happy for you and your journey that you've kind of got to this point, Mm -hmm. and that you know you you should be confident because your music is awesome. You've made a huge fan out of me. Uh, It didn't take long. It took about a song and (laughs) about a half a song or or so for for me and for me to for get into your stuff. So. Big things. Uh, before we get to the main lesson, so that's our next segment, uh, I have a couple questions there that I want to talk to you about. Uh, I think it's time for a little pop quiz. Are you, uh, are, you, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. All right. So on pop quiz, the first question I have for you is, if, who is your favorite Afrobeat artist? Wizkid. Great answer. Um, is, what's your, is you have a favorite like Nigerian dish for like food? Rice and stew. Are there any good Nigerian restaurants in Boston that yeah, people? Yeah, there's actually a couple. Um, one of the big ones is that I personally like is Obosa. Okay. And uh, Rosendale, I think it's on okay. Belgrade Ave. Amazing food. Amazing right. food. Amazing food. Amazing right. food. 
I will check that out. Maybe, maybe you guys want to sponsor this episode. That'd be great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received? Musically or just in general? In general. It doesn't have to be musically. Yeah, in general, Can be. I feel like in general, it's it was just worry about yourself. Hmm. And it could be taken in so many different ways, but the way it was given to me, it was like, I'm so worried about what people think or what people would say about this. Or, damn, like, I'm worried about just the nonsense in, in life. And then somebody's just like, yo, have you ever took a chance to really just sit down and worry about yourself? Like, ask yourself, are you okay? Hmm. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Do you want to cry? Do you want to smile? Do you want to laugh? Like, have you actually worried about yourself? And I feel like we can all say, yeah, but I when I when I heard that, I really sat there. I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't even think I tell myself, like, are you okay? And it, it just, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you know what? I will worry about myself. I will ask myself, like, okay, hey, Uche, have you eaten today? Are you okay? Like, how is your mental? Are we, you think we can make some music today? It's one of these, like, those personal check-ins that actually helped me a lot. I really like that. I really like that. That's I, Yeah, and I think, you know, being, you know, just being who you are, I can just tell you're somebody that, you know, you, you care about other people. And, um, yeah, it, it's when you're, when you are, it's, you know, same thing with me. Like, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. Like, I do a lot of, I, I help a lot of people. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's I, I completely agree with you. Like you have you you it is it is mandatory. Mm-hmm. You know it's 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 the airplane seatbelt analogy, right? Yeah. You got you got to make sure you take care of yourself before you then go to like take care of other people yeah. too. So exactly. no, that's it's it's a that's a no, it's a great piece of advice, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely got something similar. So that's that's great. Uh, I love that. Uh, what was it like collaborating with Black Bones and David Melly? It was it was interesting, <laughs> um, because these are like household names that. I personally have never expected my name to be with. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was, it was lovely. It was the fact that I know when we got the Black Bones feature, I was just like, wait, Uche Malik and Black Bones, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. And then even with David Melly, like that relationship was lovely because I think I was going through a relationship thing oh, at the time, okay. and David Melly had this one song that really resonated with me. So I just tweeted him out. I was like, yo, bro. We got to collab because this song is really doing me justice. He's like, all right, bro. And I was like, what the hell? Like, it was that easy? That's what I have to do, just tweet you? <laughs> <laughs> and then he DM'd me. He's like, yo, bro, like, let's work. Like, here's my number. And then from there, it just happened. That's so cool. So I was just like, wow, okay. This this is nice. Like, I didn't. Yeah. And then it was like situations like that where I felt like, yo, this is genuinely, like, cool. Like, yeah, I like collabing. With, like, I like collabing with people, but it was just one of those things like, wow, like, He's really, he's like, he's normal. Mm. He's normal like I am. Like, I feel like sometimes when we listen to music by our favorite artists, we feel like they're on a different type of um, stature, but not with regular people. Everyone, yeah. It's like we talked about earlier, like, no matter where you're from or who you are, like, you know, there there are certain human emotions that everybody Mm. feels. And I I would, I would say that, yeah, there's definitely, I would imagine that there are some artists that kind of get caught up in that like if, if they're a major label artist mm. sometimes they can get caught up in, in that life but there are artists like you said that are gracious and yeah. willing to help and wanting to yeah. collaborate um and, and hear people out i think that that's in and and help some other artists along the way i think that that's uh 
you know that there there's hopefully I hope that there's more of that than than yeah. the, than, than the former. But mm-hmm. um, that's really cool, man. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston uh, or Massachusetts artist that you'd most like to collaborate with that you haven't yet. Mm. Mm. I feel like. I don't know yet. I'll be genuine. I don't know yet. Because okay. I feel like everybody that is from Massachusetts that I would want to work with, especially with my sound, I feel like I've either started to develop that relationship or I've already done that. Hmm. I think what I'm more focused on is like who's going to be the next one to really start budding out of Massachusetts. Because again, with the Afro scene, it's not very much known. Yes. Same way where I'm an Afro artist from out here. I don't know who else could be there that's not already kind of in that ecosystem. Fair enough. You know, so I think one of my main goals is probably to figure out who else is out here that's doing the same thing. Like, I know um, there's some people in, like, Lynn that are doing Afrobeat. Okay. I never knew that. I never knew that. I was like, okay. There's people from Brockton. I was like, I didn't know that. So it was one of those things where it's like, I'm open to it because I want to know more. Like, who else is out here? I want to make sure that we're known. It's it's kind of sad the fact that I just said I generally don't know because right. I don't know who else is out here, but I want to make sure that next time my questions asked, I have a clear answer. So I want you know whoever is in master and Afrobeat, we need to rise up. Yeah, we need to make it known there. Yeah, if you're an Afrobeat artist, hit up this man. <laughs> uh, two more for you. Uh, what's your favorite piece of like tech or favorite like app, or do you have like a specific thing that you're just kind of like in the tech world that um you were just enamored with or blown away by Mm. i think i think coding i think coding coding was was one thing that i was like yo this doesn't make sense but it looks so cool (laughs) i completely agree (laughs) i've said the same thing about coding i was like it's not the way my my brain works unfortunately exactly and it is kind of just understanding that yo literally everything we do comes down to a code so just that was just one of the most interesting things that like I've learned and wanted to learn more about. It was like, okay, cool. Like this whole Twitter app that I'm using or Instagram literally just comes down to a code. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Like that that blew me away. Okay. Mm. Final question. This one's gonna be pretty obscure, but hopefully hope, hopefully it'll hit something. Do you uh do you happen to like the card game Uno by chance? Is that like yeah, a is yeah. that is that one of your favorite card games? Yeah. 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 Why? What? What? I, I'm a huge. I, I'm a huge Uno fan as well. Um, but I. Uh, to I'm, be I'm fair, I think Uno is the first card game I ever played it in America. Oh wow! So it was one, and it was interesting, and I love how it gets so competitive so quickly. I, I know. Like it, I know. <laughs> like, like I remember the first time I ever played it, I was just looking at everybody like, "Why are you guys getting so mad? Like, what's the problem? Like, why are you?" And then it got more. The more I started to understand the game. It was like okay, now nah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you guys were having way too much fun in the in the Reza yeah. uh, music video for Uno. Yeah. I was looking at this because if my family's watching, listening, or I might just send them this this part of the part of the episode. Uh, it gets heated in my house yeah. with Uno. Like it's like, one of those things. Like if I got like with my brother Mark, especially like if I'm next to him, mm-hmm. like we he's it's it's it gets pretty bad. Yeah. Like if I have a like a, a you know a, a, a wild draw four. Mm-hmm. I'm like waiting for that reverse so I can yeah. just smack him with it, or yeah, wait until he gets like, like to the I a feel couple like you cards. Have so much power when you have that plus four, plus two. Oh, it's, it was, it's it's <laughs> almost too much power. Yeah. <laughs> but even during the uh, Reason music video, you would think it's just that we're you know 
just pretending to play. Like, no, we were genuinely playing. You were playing. Play. Oh, we that's were awesome. genuinely <laughs> playing, and it was genuinely getting heated. Today. <laughs> well, it didn't seem that way on on the music video, so that's why. But I'm, I'm yeah, glad no, that it was. Like, it was it was a it was a real game of Uno, and we were actually it got to the point where it was like, okay, let's calm down. <laughs> this, is a, this is a music video. Let's calm down. <laughs> Like, it's an yeah. intense game. Yeah, it's it gets, it gets heated to a point. And then it's like when you get that one guy, all right, so put money on it. Then it's a whole different scale. <laughs> Once money's involved, it's like, all right, cool. Like, let's turn. Oh, that's funny. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, hopefully anybody, any Uno fans out there, I'm sure you're, uh, you are you can relate to this. But, uh, yeah, I, I noticed that very subtle thing in the music video, and I was like, I'm a huge Uno fan. I have yeah, There has yeah. to be a reason why it's in the music video. Yeah, so, no, it, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, well, you did great. I, I think you definitely passed pop quiz. So nice job. Thank you. Thank yeah, nice job. I know you didn't have to. You didn't study too hard, but that's okay. Um, you passed. It's fine. Uh, we'll get to the main lesson. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, obviously Afrobeat music and of course some of the some of the uh, your full body of work that you dropped last year, almost a yeah. calendar year ago, uh, in Jiggy Boy. But I first want to talk to you about Afrobeat. So. Um, Something that uh, really got me into, um, or, or I guess what you said something a little earlier was very, uh, gave me that distinction. I always, I think, ignorantly thought of reggae and Afrobeat sort of as something that was very similar or even mm-hmm. the same thing. And it took me um, actually a TED Talk specifically that I use in class a lot with a, with a bunch of different um, of my um parts of my curriculum um is the nigerian author chimanda ngosia Adichie, where she talks about um uh she talks about fela who was like a huge afrobeat artist in nigeria yeah. and um i started listening to him just because i didn't know who he was until mm-hmm. she i watched the ted talk and she uh like mentioned who he was and um talking about like the the really the cool nollywood scene in nigeria that like and they like the drawing a lot of influences from from fela and even american influences like jay-z is is what she mentioned um and then i think but recently there's i think been a really interesting surge over the last couple of years with afrobeat like with Wizkid, burna boy just a couple a couple artists there so um you know in your opinion do you like do you think afrobeat's in like a really good place as it as it is like um you know nationally or in in the world and like mm-hmm. what do you think it's going to take maybe to like have it go to that next level um because i feel like it is on the uprise right yeah. now um but yeah i'd just love to hear your thoughts on that a little bit i think bit. i mean obviously from what we've seen with afrobeats it's like it's like you said it's rising it's crazy mm-hmm. i think what really changed the game was when um ck love wine tnt it blew up out of nowhere and it hit the u.s markets so the thing with um, Afrobeats is that it was global. It was global. It was it was big everywhere but the U.S. And sad to say, sometimes it's like if it doesn't blow up in the U.S., it won't always translate. Right. right. Like a lot of people would say, like, oh, I'm just now hearing about Wizkid. I don't know who that is, but everybody in the entire world knows who Wizkid is. Exactly. People the same thing with Burna Boy. So these little um, achievements we're doing, at least here in america is what's causing the upgrowth um mm-hmm. essence charting uh even thames now who just charted number that's one that's right yeah like that's that's big because now huge. everybody's gonna be like who are these african people that are taking over our market didn't Bur- did burn a boy chart as well i thought his album did really really well yes. yeah and yeah in fact he has one of those undeniable hits that will literally like have him set for life with yeah that that song is is an undeniable hit. Undeniable and, yeah. Hit. 
And I find it really interesting that he like worked with people like Chris Martin from Coldplay and mm-hmm. like John Bellion, like. And I think that's your your that's actually a great point where I feel like maybe that's what it's going to take mm-hmm. to for our Afrobeat artists to start to collaborate with you know artists that are more I guess household names in America, which mm-hmm. it feels like it shouldn't have to take that because I I feel like. Um, the more authentic sound mm-hmm. of Afrobeat is, uh, I think it's very intriguing and very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like, again, it's, it's starting to really bubble over into the mainstream and, yeah. and, um, I, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very enamored with sort of that, that's the rise of that scene, mm-hmm. um, as of late for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's been yeah. a good, it's been a good thing. I think we could, like, at the end of the day, we could still do it ourselves. Like, yeah, as Africans, like, well, at least, uh, yeah, as Africans, we're always going to be. I don't want to say the word. Actually, no, I'm prideful. We're gonna, always going to be on top. <laughs> we're always going to be on top. We're always going to excel. So whether yeah. they like it or not, we're going to enter the market. We're going to crash it. Mm-hmm. I think the, these little collaborations we do with, um, obviously, like these American artists, they do does help. But at the same time, it's like we could still do it ourselves. Oh, for sure. Like with CK, like he crashed the market by himself. Mm-hmm. Amore, she crashed the market by herself. So it's... Um, I think it's one of the things, I think those little features helped give us an ear, but when the music is as good as that, it's undeniable. Yeah, it's for undeniable. sure. For sure. No, I, th- I think, I absolutely, I agree. I think that's going to be uh, a huge thing for it going forward. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, re- I really hope to see it continue to rise in the way that it is because mm-hmm. it's just such a, I just love this. The sound is just so yeah. freaking mm-hmm. cool. Like it's, even when we were playing your song, Riza, earlier, like, uh, I know people were, you know, you couldn't see on, on the screen, but we were like, well, yeah. even, I mean, I know you were dancing, but we, both of us yeah. were just like, it's, it's undeniable, man. <laughs> and I feel like when you, uh, performed it live, uh, it, everyone really came together for it. You yeah. know what I mean? And that was like, I think that that was really cool. And just to see, you know, people embrace that yeah. in the way that it did, yeah. um, was awesome. So yeah. I, I, I think that it's only, hopefully only going to, to rise from here, um, a lot and obviously i want to talk to you of course about your ep uh jiggy boy which mm-hmm. was uh obviously a phenomenal listen you had so many great uh you know david melly was on that is that correct yeah. he was on one of those tracks and mm-hmm. timmy O, and you had uh you know obviously lucas did some production uh, amongst some others um so i'm curious uh from that perspective with the with the project now that it's you know almost a calendar year that it's yeah. been sitting and you've, you've taken some time to like look back on it and reflect a little bit um you know what does that project mean to you because i know that just obviously we can talk about the sound of course being really uh, engaging and just fun to listen to but i also think lyrically and also just with the content you got really deep and i thought that there was you know you talked a lot about a lot about a couple different things like mental health being one of them and um you poured a lot of different emotions into it and i could really tell that your heart and soul was in that project Mm. um and it's it's one of those projects where for me even though it's about 17 minutes and some change um it feels longer but in a really good way to me but it's also too uh, short in the sense of like it leaves you wanting more Mm. so i think it was a really good balance of that too yeah so Definitely talk to me a little bit about this project, like how it came to be, and then just like, of course, the reception and how you've reflected on it from, you know, all of the uh, really great press you got from it yeah. and, and, and good reception that you did get yeah. from it. It was, I think Jiggy Boy to me was a self-care project. I like that. It definitely was like something that. that helped me out 
personally. Um, and then the reception was just incredible. To this day, it just it still shocks me. Like, wow, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, to come about it, um, how do I even start? I guess, so this is like beginning of the quarantine, like 2020. Okay. Obviously, 2019, I dropped my first ever EP. And the reception I got from there was good for somebody who just started doing music. Mm -hmm. I was doing numbers, but I wasn't doing like numbers that I'm doing now. Exactly. So obviously, it was like, all right, cool. So how do I follow up? What do I do now? What do I do next? Um, and then it was just one of those. It was just that journey of, okay, like, let's figure it out. Cool. Obviously, I'm going to do an EP. But let's drop a song or two. Let's do this. Let's do that. So this is what I had in mind. I was like, I was excited. I'm in the studio. Cool, cool, cool. And quarantine. <laughs> and Fucked everything up. <laughs> exactly. So obviously with quarantine, I didn't have access to go to the studio. And I think that put me up against the wall because it's like, okay, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how to. I feel like a lot of us felt that way about everything. It was yeah, just horrible. Was, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad we're out of that weed, of those weeds. But I didn't think like at the time I didn't know how to record myself. I didn't know how to do nothing like that nature. Like obviously I did know how to record myself, but I didn't know how to record record. Like I didn't know what to mm -hmm. do. I didn't know where to even start. Like looking back at it now, I just feel like I was probably lazy. <laughs> but um, but at the time I just felt helpless. So I was just like cool. And then with quarantine, I feel like we all face these, like, mental issues where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, we're in a world pandemic. Everybody's dying. There's bodies flying, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't leave my house. And, again, it was just me going through personal stuff where it's like, all right, cool. Mentally speaking, I am not in the right state of mind to do anything. I know I did drop, I think it was, like, two or three singles, 2020. And... um dropping so like I, I think one of the singles i dropped which was desire i did that in nigeria actually because right before the pandemic happened i just came back from nigeria mm -hmm. so i did that in nigeria and i dropped that cool and then um during that whole summer it was just like okay cool there's no studio open how do i make another song i dropped desire i think it was april 20th and i still have a whole year left i still have the rest of the year to do something right right i can't do much because there's no studio then this is where um, one of my good friends, Namdi, it's by new. He's a producer. He came in and basically was just like, yo, bro, you know, I have a whole home studio. You can just record here. I was like, oh, oh, word. Wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I met Namdi right after I dropped my first ever EP. It was weird. He hit me in the DMs. I was like, yo, bro, I really loved your song. And this is now like, again, I'm meeting, I'm like, people are hitting me up that I don't know, saying, like, yo, I heard your project. I literally like that. This is still new to me. So I'm just so like, cool. yo, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I'm not mad at it, but, like, yo, like, this yeah. is kind of cool. Right. And he's like, yo, bro, like, um, I'm from Boston. I'm a producer. Like, you could, you know, we should definitely collab. And I've never, at the time, I've never collabed with a producer in my life. Oh, wow. Like, obviously, the first project I was most, like, was most, like, beats I leased or bought the exclusive of, but I've never really sat down with a producer and said, hmm. all right, cool, let's sit down. So this is so new. I was excited, so I met him, and um, that day, like, it was just, you know, kind of getting introduced to this is how it really works. This is how a beat is really made. Hmm. And I, that was the same day I met one of my uh, good friends, Yusuf or YDA, and also met Lucas. So it was just like, 
okay, this is new. Like, I didn't know we had other Afro artists in Boston. I didn't know that we had producers in Boston. I didn't know we had people who could play piano. Like, this, this is this really how music is made? <laughs> like, I knew, but I never knew I could experience it so early in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now, fast forward now, again, he it was one of those situations like, all right, bro, like, you do realize I have a studio at home. We can record. It doesn't have to be the beats that I make, but we can record whatever you like. I was like, word. Okay, cool. And then um, it just went from me just recording multiple songs. And at the time, I was still a brand new artist, so I didn't really have a strong pen or I didn't really have a strong delivery or things of that nature. So some of those songs weren't above par, but again, it was one of those things that was undeniable. I think the thing about me, no matter what, I have a part in that song. I have a part in my music that is going to be stuck in your head, whether it be the hook or a certain bar. Something about my music will never leave you. <laughs> so I can attest to um, that. <laughs> it just it went for me, just kind of realized like I took it as practice. It's like all right, cool. Like I like the song, but here's a problem. And again, I lo- really loved Namdi because he was so hard on me, especially for some. At first, I thought he was just trying to single me out. I'm like, bro, <laughs> why is it every time? But like, it was like, nah, because he truly believed in me. And he was just sure. like, bro, like, sure. you know, I'm going to tell you, like, yo, your pen is not strong here. You got to have a stronger pen. No, your delivery is not strong. It take 30 takes. And again, at the time, it was just like, what is this for? But looking back at it, or even further down that path, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Mm. Cool. And then um, from there, it just went from me just now giving out features. But then throughout the whole process, it was like, again, with features, it's a bit different because I don't have to do a certain part. I could do just a hook and that's it. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, okay, now that I'm working with this person, that person, all together in a room, I have to create something that's going to resonate with everybody and be fire. How do I do that? Okay, cool. Done. Now, if I want a feature... Because I got a feature from my, again, my boy Yusuf, we did For the Night. It was one of the things that I personally liked because it, like, it was a campaign song, in my okay. opinion. I donated all of the money made from that song straight to organizations in Nigeria that oh, helped that's with awesome. like, COVID relief and then other things. So it was one of those things that's like, all right, cool. This is a, this is a song with purpose. Makes it, it feel bigger than it. Exactly. Like, bigger purpose than just the exactly. music. That's awesome. I but love the that. way I wanted to go about it, this is when I started to learn, okay, there's things called mixing and mastering obviously i knew what that was mm-hmm. but i didn't know what that was exactly so i remember one day we got it we went to the studio we recorded it and yusuf was like yo the mix is fire but the master eh, it could be better i was like what's the master <laughs> and he's like yeah you don't know what the master is bro i was like nah I was like but your, your last project was mastered great it's like really <laughs> i was it's just to me <laughs> yeah but like i mean ultimately the first project it was master i just didn't know i just didn't know it i didn't know what a master was i thought the master was the same thing as mixing okay so then obviously he explained to me that whole process and now with me again i'm a i'm a nerd so once i learned these new terminologies i went and googled the hell out of it i went and researched the hell out of it what is mixing what is mastering learn about different ways of mi- mi- uh, mixing and then i was like all right cool Let's redo this song. So we redid it. I got it ma- uh, mixed and mastered. And this is now a different sound of Uche because Uche now learned more stuff from his research, mm-hmm. from his trial and error. Mm-hmm. And at this point, now we're towards like the end of 2020. And this is when I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm ready for a project. I'm going to sit this year out, which was, but yeah, this I'm going to sit 2020 out. I'm not going to drop any other music. 
I feel like in order for me to really make an impact, I have to have to get myself straight. So the end of 2020, I was obviously going through a lot of stuff again, personally, mm-hmm. where it really affected my mental. So I couldn't make music. Like I genuinely could not yeah. make music. But then it went from, I used that to just research. I said, if I can't make music, I'm just going to research. Okay. So what I did, again, with Namdi, he would just tell me, yo, pull up to the studio. I have people coming in to make a song. Or I'm going to be producing. You could just sit there. And from there, I literally just started networking. Like, I met all those people that were in the studio, just talked to them, got their point of view of how they make music, saw how they made music. I literally was just a student. I just sat there. I remember people kept saying, like, yo, Uchi, you're always in the studio. Like, where's the new music? And I was like, bro, I'm not in the studio. <laughs> like, I'm genuinely just using my time to relearn things. I felt like it was it was needed. So I learned, you do need those moments sometimes yeah. to just take a step back and just observe. Exactly, a thousand percent. I think one of my th- one of the frustrating things for me is again because my main thing was the pen. Like, like, how, like I was like, yo, how do I push my pen? I you guys keep saying work on your pen, work on your pen. How do you physically work on your lyric? Like, I don't know how to do that. Do I have to read a dictionary? Do I have to read more books? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and I think that just comes in with the experience and then. Just just feeling it. I think sure. that's the best I can really say. It really just came with the experience. And me just being in the studio, seeing how people wrote music, it's like, okay, he does like this. Oh, he could freestyle this whole thing. Oh, he could do that. Yeah. Just watching pe- how people do it, watching how they used to hit certain pockets, watching how they, it would be like, just, when we're creating the beat, it's just one instrument. And they already have a hook. And then we start to build the, the song around that hook. And I'm like, how did you get the hook? When all we hear is do, 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 do. I was like, that doesn't make sense. But then again, it was just one of those things where I just started researching. Then um, I would hear in conversations things of like, oh, like um, distribution or marketing or promotion, uh, four-week plan, these certain words. And I'm like, okay, I wrote it down, like distribution, four-week plan, marketing. Just ask simple questions like, what do you mean by like four-week plan? Oh, okay. So, like, within four weeks, I just have to have a plan. Okay, cool. I mean, that sounds that sounds normal. And then I started to figure out how it can connect to what I was studying. So, mm-hmm. I went to school for business management with the core in finance and marketing. So, with the marketing aspect, I was like, yo, this is literally the same thing I'm learning in school. <laughs> I was like, okay, wait, let me combine the two. And then it just started to click. So, like, all right, cool. If I'm going to do music, I have to have a legitimate plan. Before how I was in music, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, cool, the song's done drop it but now there's a strategy involved exactly yeah there's yeah. a strategy and there's now there's a structure and i was like okay cool now that i understand the the, the structure how do i make it mine hmm. and again it went from me just again just networking and just figuring out what people did it was just that research mm-hmm. and then i started to watch a lot of um interviews a lot of documentaries a lot of just random videos on youtube i think one of the most memorable ones was um it was Abdunsi, the engine. He had an interview with Selection Radio. Okay. And he just talked about this new sound called Alte, or an Afrofusion. And I've I was like... That. I've heard that term before. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this sounds this sounds like something I do. Like, Alte really is just like an alt- it's the alternative. It's alternative Afrobeat. Mm-hmm. Um, Afrofusion, I guess it's it's... Everything is under just a big umbrella, so it's either yeah. like called Alte or Afrofusion, but it's, it's just a lot. 
So we just put it under this umbrella. Um, sometimes I don't even like to use those terms because some songs aren't, I'll tell you, some songs aren't Afrofusion, but... Right. But either way, it was like, genuinely speaking, it's like, you can do any kind of genre you want. You just have to put that Afro flavor into it. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's me. Because at the end of the day, like, I like Afro. I'm very much Nigerian. I do every like, I'm, I'm Nigerian to the core. But sometimes I just want to, like, pretend like I'm a rapper or pretend like I'm an R&B singer or pretend like I'm a, I'm a rock star. Oh, I don't have to pretend, but you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those, yeah. like, no, no, no. It was like, okay, cool. I want to be a rapper, but how do I put Afro on it? It's like, but you can't be a rapper if you want to put Afro on it. It's like, no, 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 but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a rapper. <laughs> but no. Okay, all right, cool. I'm going to do pop music, okay? You could do pop, but how do we put Afro in it? It's like, you can't do that. So it was just me trying to figure out, okay, how, how do I make the sound that I'm, I'm yearning for? Mm. And then hearing that and watching that interview was like, okay, I understand it now. This is this is what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm a, I, I call myself an Afro artist because everything I do is Afro. Whether I do R&B, whether I do rap, hip-hop, country, rock, whatever I get into, you're going to know this Afro in it. So I call myself an Afro artist. And that interview kind of just opened the doors. Like, okay, cool. Now I know how to go about things. Mm. Just like, mm. now, now it makes sense. Now there's people like me. And then from there, again, it was just watching more interviews, watching more um, funny video. Not, well, yeah, it was funny videos. It was like, yeah. it was a video where it's like, okay, you have to make a beat in 30 seconds. And one of my favorite artists is, um, actually it was Odunsi again. He had to make a beat in 30 seconds. And it's just it was just it was meant to be funny, but it's just the way that he structured everything and did everything. It was like you know what, this is interesting. I feel like I can use this. I feel like I can do this. Right. And that's what helped me mold into my sound. And now, we're now. I told myself I'm officially in EP mode. So boom. So now I'm the eye, right, bro. Let's let's get to it. It's like, how do I do this? What's the word? Like, what do I do? <clears throat> Namdi's like okay it's like did you do you have a song idea do you have a beat I was like no I do not <laughs> so he's like alright cool you know what again we're going back to watching people but now Namdi started to open up a studio called Studio 34 where the obviously he was the head producer but then there was Lucas mm-hmm. and Chris uh, Chris Kennedy so I think I worked with Lucas obviously it was it wasn't one of those things where like I was always working with Lucas, but there was a time where I was working with Namdi. Lucas would pull up, and I talked to Lucas, and I found out who he was. Cool. Um, so he was just—he was still there, but I haven't really officially worked with him. I think I worked with Chris Kennedy one time, and we produced a beat. Uh, it was cool, and then I put down some vocals, and it was like, okay, cool. This is this is kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that it was done, I was like, I feel like I need a different viewpoint on this. And then I think Lucas, he might have um, reproduced a beat for somebody. And I heard this, I'm like, wait, Lucas, you can produce. I thought you could just, you know, play the keys. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, wait, I thought you just mix and master and play the keys. And then um, I think one day I just hit up Lucas. I was like, yo, bro, like, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Uche, but let's work. Like, I genuinely want to, like, do something. Maybe you can mix and master something for me, but I genuinely want to do something. I, I don't know why, but I felt like I should just hit you up today. And that's what happened. Um, I think he sent me a beat one time that he found. 
script for me to him to do like a feature type of thing. And I think I wrote something to it, but we just never got to it because mm-hmm. COVID. And then now we're like early 2021. I He told me to come over. It's like, cool. And we were like, let's try to do something. Let's, let's try to make a song. Because obviously Lucas is a Nigerian. He's white. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's just put that out there. He's white. So it was like, it was like, okay, how do I, how do we work? Like, how, how mm. is this going to happen? <laughs> so I sent him a couple songs like, well, these are some of the few songs that I've been listening to recently that have resonated with me. Like, usually when I make music, it's because something resonated with me, yeah. whether it be a song or a legitimate instrument or a melody. Like, this is what resonated to me. And the thing with Lucas, he's, he's crazy because he just heard the song once. It's like, okay. And he started creating this um, melody. And I'm like, bro, how did you do that so fast? Like, uh, to me, Lucas is a beast because he can adapt to anything and he can absorb anything immediately. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is scary. So we made up this one melody. And then I just kept saying, um, why you want to stress me out? Why you want to vex me out? The reason why I was saying that is because Again, I was going through something with a girl, and I just kept asking, like, why do you want to, why do I feel so stressed? And then the more I kept saying it, he just kept building around it. He just said, yo, keep keep saying that. So for, like, 30 minutes, I just kept saying it. <laughs> and he was just building around it to That's a point crazy. where we got to a solid um, template for a beat. And I was like, yo, did we just do that? And I was like, so into right, it. I was so into it. I said, we just become best friends. <laughs> yeah. I was so into it. I finished the hook put on the verse and now it's like cool how do we continue to build around it because it's not it's not a conventional afro beat again mm-hmm. this is now becoming afro fusion mm-hmm. so i'm just like how do i even explain what else would i want i didn't know how to really mold it but somehow somewhere we found a way and then we created the song ebu um, which was the leading single off of jiggy boy mm-hmm. and at this point it was like all right cool we can do this. Mm-hmm. And I've built that comfortability and relationship with Lucas to a point where it's like, okay, I definitely know if I go to him or if we work with each other, we'll do something great. And um, from there, we started to create Ebu. I think Joppa was uh, David Melly production. Yep. So obviously that, well, we still work together on that one, but it wasn't like a product, uh, produced beat. Um, we had, I think I outsourced another beat with Playboy with um he's actually my boy's friend his name is lee and it was so weird because i pulled up to i pulled up to his house with my uh boy yusuf or yda because yda had a song he was going to do with him anyway and then he was just surfing through beats and i was like i heard this one beat i was like now nah, play that again and it was just a very r&b-esque beat and i was like you know this would be crazy if we put afro beats on it like you know just just drums, just put some Afro drums. I think it'll work. And mind you, he's never done Afro. Well, he has, but he hasn't done Afro. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yusuf's is like, I hear it too. Hold on. And he did a beat on his phone, recorded it, and sent it to him. And I was like, no, 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 let's do it like this. I did the same thing. And next thing I know, a couple of days later, the guy sends me the beat. And it's like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. And the only thing that I could feel from it was the word Playboy, which is the outro on Jiggy Boy. And again, with me, it's like when I make songs, it's because something resonated with me. Right. So the word Playboy was just stuck in my head. 
why would wh- how would I do Playboy? I feel like I didn't want to be the conventional like oh I'm a Playboy I have this. I feel like it was, should be more, you know, more personal. Yeah. So that's where Playboy came into play. Sweet. But again, it was just like. I think going back to Lucas, it was like, all right, I'm always recording with Lucas with this and that. We were finishing up songs. And I think this at this point, we have Playboy, Joppa, and Ebley. Joppa's a song with David Melly. But we only had three songs. The only song that was actually completed, completed was Ebley. <laughs> but I think the thing about me was like, okay, I could, com- I could start the song, but something kept stopping me from finishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just goes off of, like, the mental stuff that I was going through. But when I was able to finish it, I could finish it. Right. And at this point, it was like, okay, now I have three songs basically done or have started. This is kind of looking like an EP. Now let me seriously get into, like, let me seriously do this EP. So I to ask questions like, okay, how many songs do I even want on this damn thing? I didn't know how many songs an EP truly was. Um, obviously, I did, but I didn't know, like, how many I really wanted. I think my first project was like five songs. And I told myself, well, I got to do at least minimum five. But I don't think I want to do seven. I think that's too much. So six was the lucky number. But I told myself, you know what, let's do five. Um, So I had three done. And I was like, all right, let's create two more. Coming with two more songs was difficult. (laughs) Because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Right. And then, um, so one day, I think... Kwazim brought one of his friends to Boston to work with Lucas because at this point I was telling everybody yo if you want a great song go to Lucas if you want to do something go to Lucas so they came to Boston because they're actually from New York they came to Boston to come work with Lucas and I was at their Airbnb and we were just messing around on Logic and we were just using the template the, the stock instruments and it just sounded so, I don't know what happened or why but this instrument sounded so good. What really got to me was the um, kick. And I just kept saying, like, I can show you how it goes down in the city. And then I just kept saying it over and over till I was in a trance. Like, I've noticed sometimes if I make music, I end up in a trance because I'm just so focused of trying to piece things together. And I was just in a trance to a point where I started saying, I could show you how it goes down in the city. Oh, worry, boy, so you know it stay jiggy. You want to smoke thing, you can come and get it. Until the point it was just like, okay, I'm building into it. And now I'm imagining, like, where I would be when I make this song. Like, when I make music, I think of, I, I actually visually see it. So I was like, okay, cool. This is this is nice. This is nice. Let me start recording it. I've recorded on the voice note, blah, blah, blah. And then I sent it to Lucas. I was like, yo, I don't know how the hell we're going to do this. But I messed around and made this thing on Logic. We got to recreate it. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know way. But I, I just have a good feeling about it. So me and Lucas, we sat down. We were both like just on um, Ableton, just trying to figure out how to recreate this random beat we made. And once at least we got the structure down, it was easy. Mm. The verse came like that. Hook came in like that. And this is this this wasn't new to me but it was like yo i'm really like i'm really it like focused like it's really it's really coming to me like that and then now the second verse came in and then i already knew how to do the outro and it was one of the beats was like yo this is like one of the first beats that i actually co-produced and i was like yo this is crazy i did this and and, and it hit me like it, it like it, mind you it was just 
it was just so random. It wasn't like one of those songs where I had intention to make. It just happened randomly. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. Now we're at four songs. <laughs> but I was like, this is this is crazy. Wait, is that four songs? Yeah. That is four songs. So now, um, a little re- rewind. There was a guy that I worked with. Well, not a guy, but he was an artist in Boston. His name is Way Up Rui. Amazing artist. He's an artist and he's a producer. So obviously at the time, I was willing to um, work with everybody and anybody. And he sent me a beat pack. One of the beats we actually used for For the Night. Um, but there was another beat that was really smooth. And I genuinely didn't know how to get on it. But I really, really liked it. And at this time, the same time where I'm just now networking and talking to all these artists, I met um, Timmy O. Well, I didn't meet him yet. But, like, I followed him. And I think because he had a relationship with Lucas is because I also had a relationship with him. I was like, yo, bro, we should definitely work. And funny story is, like, I knew about Timmy before I even knew about Timmy because he was popping on SoundCloud. And, like, like I said, I'm always finding new music. I was listening to Timmy before I even met him. The same thing with YDA. I was listening to YDA before I met him. That's so cool. So now I'm just, like, putting pieces together. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, you're the same Timmy from this song. I was like, oh, oh shit, like, that's crazy. <laughs> so I sent him the beat, and immediately he sent me a hook. And it's like, shawty, it's a million degrees. Move a little slow, take a moment just to breathe. Stopping, going like trees. Green never lasts, but I believe. I was like, whoa, this is smooth. One of my favorite songs on the project. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. It was like, yeah. I was like, wow. I've never, again, this is one of those, this is Afrobeat, but he came at it with a rapper approach. Right, right. And I was like, See, this is the type of thing I'm trying to do. I told you guys I could rap on Afrobeat. <laughs> like, it was like, it's like, see, see? But it was so smooth to me. I'm like, all right, cool. I think hearing him get on it in that way also enabled me to get on it as a in a, as a rapper approach. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is doable. This nah, is doable. Man, I like this. That's it, great. It, it was one of the things that's like, yo, this is this is undeniable. Now, the process of function, it was so it was so lengthy because like I said, I had it from twenty twenty, early twenty twenty. So I think I try to I wrote a verse for it and I was gonna have another person get on it. But then I wasn't too sure. I was like, you know what? Let me just do let me just have Timmy put a verse. But then I was like, you know what? Actually no, I could get the other person to get on it. But then I was like, wait, no, Timmy, you have to redo it. But then ah, it it was just like back and forth, back and forth. So I was like, you know what, cool. I'm gonna send it to one of my good friends, um, Eche. Eche's on a amazing artist. And I was like, Eche, he's a beast. He's he, he's scary. Like, he, he was at ten years old. He was he was a better rapper. He was like he was a better rapper than a lot of my favorite rappers. And to this day, I think he's genuinely gonna be the biggest rapper in the entire game. And he will get a Grammy. I don't know before me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he'll definitely get a Grammy. And I just truly believed in him. I was like, you know what? We have to work because I've known you for so long. I feel like I've worked with everybody. Mm-hmm our ecosystem but i've never like generally just sat down like let's yeah. get a song so i sent it to him and i remember i kept bugging at you like yo you you did a feature yet bro you did a feature because he was taking some time he's taking some time but again this is during um quarantine so having access to the studio was very difficult and then one day i just remember i was in um i was in my car at sent me a video and it was his verse and i'm just sitting here like listening to him like Oh my God! 
why did you do that? Like, mm-hmm. this is my song, bro. This is not. This isn't your song. Why'd you have to do that? And then it, it got to a point where like I even contemplated about redoing my verse. It's like, nah, there's no way you just did that, bro. I felt disrespected. It's like this is crazy, but I was so hyped because like, yo, functions are about to be done. And then I told myself, you know what? I don't think he did better than me, or or in terms of like he watched me. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. I feel like I can hold my own. I just have to come at it in a way where I deliver it properly. So at this time, it was like I didn't have, I had an amazing delivery, but now because it's a rapper approach, I didn't really rap like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a singer, so I just had to make sure my delivery was on point, and it took like time of re-recording and just a bunch of takes to really get that um, through. So yeah. um, one day, I think I was, we locked in with Lucas. It was me and Eche because we already had Timmy's um, stuff and we re-recorded um, Function. It's dope, and man. It felt good. It sounds like the whole project itself was just really organic. So yeah, I, I think extremely. that, that yeah, I mean, guys, seriously, like, you got to hear this project if you haven't checked it out. Mm-hmm. Jiggy Boy, it's a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal body of work, man. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are running a little out of time, so I... Uh, but I, I do want to obviously give you just a moment as well to uh, plug away at like your socials where people can find you and um, you know if in any upcoming projects you uh, you are, you have so uh, the floor is yours to plug away to uh, you know, of course you are officially a turntable uh, turntable teachers alumni so th- th- <laughs> thank you so much for uh, for being here man this was You're a welcome. lot of fun this was a You're phenomenal welcome. episode it was great to hear about your background and just like your story and then uh, of course talk to you about the music and. Uh, that you're making and i think you are just destined for like unbelievable things in this in this scene man you're you're somebody that uh i'm really happy that i got uh to to get to know as Mm -hmm. as just musically and now now personally so Mm -hmm. uh keep keep going man for real you are doing some amazing things and uh the project's awesome just make sure you guys go stream it we are going to link it below Mm -hmm. but uh uche tell people where where they can find you uh you can find me anywhere and everywhere uche malik social medias instagram twitter all of that Uche Malik. Um, in terms of something new, obviously, at this point, we all know I'm dropping an EP. Uh, TBA, TBA, but there is a new EP on the works. Let's do it. That's awesome. I love that. We're gonna definitely be plugging that, and uh, and definitely, I'm sure I'll, I'll write about it, or definitely, <laughs> it'll make its way onto the playlist <laughs> for you, sure, man. And if you are a fan of Uche, just coming on to us for the first time, uh, you can follow us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram, Spotify, and then of course subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you, whether you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, or find us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, and also hit up our website www.turntableteachers.com for all the latest blogs, episodes. You guys know the deal. And uh, once again. Uche, thank you so much for being here, man. This was a great episode, and uh, I can't I can't wait to keep following your story, and we'll have you back again, uh, you know, sometime f- very soon. I hope. Thank you. Thank awesome. You. Good stuff, man. Well, as always, guys, I'm Mike. This is Uche with the Turntable Teachers, and class is officially dismissed. Turn, 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 turn,